He is risen. That's, that's it? All right. Okay. One more time. <laughs> right? This is a happy day. Oh, happy day. Happy day, right? He is risen. Ah, oh, that was better. We'll do it again at the end, so... Um, what a glorious day it is. It is. And, um, you know, uh, we had our first sunrise service this morning, and uh, it, was, it was awesome. We had it at Hunter Hobby Park, yeah. Um, lots of people came out, and uh, we, we caught a glimpse. I, I think Jamie caught like a, like a snapshot, right, of the, when the sun just peeked out a little bit in between the clouds and the hills. And just gave off a, a, some rays because it was kind of cloudy too. I can see it's sunny now. Uh, but Lord, next year, right? He'll give us some, some sun. Yeah, but so next year we'll do it again. We'll uh, prepare and we'll have sunrise service next year. Um, but what, what a special time. What a special time to come together. I mean, just getting up um, when it was dark this morning and thinking about what took place um, the morning on which uh, Mary and, uh, and several of the ladies went to look for Jesus in the tomb and, um, and didn't find him there. And they went before the sun came up. And just to consider those things, we're, we're going to be going through those things this morning as we um, come to hopefully um, celebrate our risen Christ, and, and, I, and I really do hope and pray that each and every one of you are here and are able to celebrate your risen Lord. It, it's, not, it's not, hey, you just find him here when you come on a Sunday or on a Wednesday. No, no, no. He, he, not, he desires that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that each and every one of us could proclaim with complete certainty that he is our Lord and he is risen and we are alive in him. Now and forevermore. And so this is, this is a cry of victory today. Today is a day of celebration. I know we're going to probably some, some families are going to go and, and you're going to celebrate with family and all that. But that's, all, that's, that's part of it. That's kind of, um, you know, you can go and do that, of course. You know, that's great to get together with family. But really we should never put aside or lessen or lighten what this day truly signifies. This day is the day in which we celebrate the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. So, the title of this morning's message is, Did You Hear Jesus is Risen? Jesus is Risen. Um, if you could turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, or um, I know that the, that chapter goes... To verse 56. So it's a long chapter. Closer to chapter 24 is what we're going to be covering and into a few verses in chapter 24. So Luke chapter 23, verse 50. Just want to let you know while you're turning there that next Sunday we will have um, our baptism. And so for those of you who have not been baptized, I would encourage you today to get signed up and make sure you let us know that you would like to get baptized. Um, baptism does not save you. 
It is only in obedience to what the Lord commanded us to do, though. Um, salvation comes um, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. There's nothing added to it. Um, there's, there's nothing more to it. But what we do in baptism is we identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We proclaim him publicly as Lord and Savior. And so we're, we're commanded to do that. And so I would encourage you, if you have not been baptized, that this coming Sunday you would, you would make it a point to come prepared uh, to be baptized. Um, so we have that going on. We also have a, a prayer meeting that's happening, a prayer breakfast, and, uh, and we'll be praying um, that's next, is it next? Yeah, next Saturday, right? This coming, yeah, the 7th. So we'll be together. So the men and the women to get together in April will be here at 7 o'clock. We'll be enjoying some breakfast and also just a time of, of praying. So I encourage you to come out for that. But we're in Luke chapter 24, backing up a little bit into 23, verses 50 through 24, 12. Uh, what I'd like to do is go through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we have to back up a little bit in order to understand um, what they were feeling, what was going on perhaps in the minds and hearts of those people who had come to the tomb. And I think it gives us a good picture if we back up just a little bit. So Luke chapter 23, verse 50 says, Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid, it, laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be lift, uh, delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had just happened. In John chapter 20, I want to read that as well. It's just the first 10 verses here. So hold your place there and then let's go over to John chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, 
that is Sunday, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. So this gives us a little bit more description. It was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple and one whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first and stooping to look in. He saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus, Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Heavenly Father, as we consider and celebrate our risen Lord, I pray, Lord, that this morning we would, if there's any doubt, if there's any kind of confusion, reluctance even, I pray that you would make it abundantly clear to us personally that we would realize that this is the truth. It is your very word, and it cannot be any other way. You love us so much that you speak to us exactly what is reality. For truth is reality. And we know that in Jesus Christ, we can individually know salvation. And I pray, Father, that as you demonstrated your love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us that we would realize that not only was Jesus victorious over our sin on the cross, but also he was victorious over the grave as he rose from the dead. And I pray, Lord, that we would all with one voice in unity celebrate and worship and praise you today as our risen Lord. And so we commit this morning into your hands, Father. We ask your blessing and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, someone had, um, give me this, this nail. It's, um, it's not an actual nail that's, that's used for, for crucifixion, but it's pretty close. It's a railroad. One that you would see um, used for railroad ties. But I was thinking, as even as uh, Ray, you know, he said, you know, they, they crucified him and it, it didn't work. It didn't work for the purpose that they had intended for it to be. And that is to, you know, close the mouth of Jesus and uh, for that to be the end of it, right? It didn't work in that sense, but it did work to fulfill completely the plan of the Father. And that is in him being the full price of our sin, past, present, and future, for that purpose, it worked completely and perfectly. So I was thinking, can you imagine 
something like this was driven into our Lord's hands, into his wrist. This is normally where it, where it would go. And into his, his feet. And we were talking about how it wasn't driven into his hands. I mean, this would be very easy for someone who was in agony to just simply slip out of. You know, it would be much better to just simply um, break the skin here and go all the way up and, and to slip out of that because they were in such great agony. They couldn't do that. The bones here have part of it that kind of hangs. And so as, as you drop down, it actually serves as a hook and it doesn't allow you to find relief, any relief whatsoever. These were driven into our Lord, and yet it was not these that held him to the cross. It was his love that held him to the cross. That's where the power of our victory over sin is, is on the cross. And so when we look to Jesus Christ, we can, without a shadow of a doubt, know that he loves us so much that he gave his life for ours, that we might find life in him as he resurrected from the grave and are restored, are reconciled unto the Father. And he did it with his own lifeblood. And so we have this, this nail. It's heavy. Can you imagine that? But to, today is a moment of victory. Today. It's Resurrection Sunday. It was on the first day of the week that Mary Magdalene and the other women came to the garden to prepare the body of Jesus Christ. And instead they found an empty tomb. Mary, when she ran to tell Peter and John and the other disciples, they, she told them something. That she said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. And so she was kind of concerned. It was at that time that Peter and John ran to the tomb where Jesus' body had been laid and also found it empty. When John saw, as we read here, when John saw, he believed that Jesus had indeed risen from the dead. But everyone else, and I'm sure him to some degree, was astonished. We know that they were trembling, perplexed, marveling, shocked. They were bewildered, not understanding exactly what was going on or what had just happened. It's now the third day after Jesus had been crucified. And we know that Joseph of Arimathea came to Pilate. He requested the body of Jesus. He was granted the body of Jesus and he took it down from the cross. He wrapped it in a linen shroud, and he placed it in this tomb. The women had followed him, and they knew exactly where Jesus had been laid in this tomb. The exact place they knew, without a doubt, because they had seen exactly where Jesus had been placed by Joseph. And then after that, we know from what we read in Luke chapter 23, that they went home, and they prepared the spices and the ointment. Uh, this was on Friday night. Now, Saturday is the Sabbath, and so therefore on that day, they observed the Sabbath, and they did nothing. It was a day of rest. 
But they returned on Sunday before sunrise. It was still dark. But they were expecting something different. The world and many, I, I remember growing up and, and feeling the same way. Like, I, I, was, I was taught, I mean, I would uh, observe Easter Sunday, not as a believer, but simply as a person who just kind of went along, right, with how I was raised and what I was told and, and all of that. But it still kind of, it perplexed me. Like, how is it? That Jesus could, could write like he could rise from the dead. What we have in front of us is, are the things that we experience ourselves. A little kind of bewilderment, uh, astonishment, perplexity that comes, uh, you know, overcomes us. But the angel said something. He said, remember. And then thirdly, as they remember... As they considered the words of God, and they knew that that very thing was being fulfilled right before them, at the point that they realized that it was truth, and they believed it, they went and told the world. Let's first talk about perplexed at the risen Christ. Verses 1 through 4 speaks to that. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. We'll stop there. Again, I remind you, what were the women going to the tomb to expect and expecting. They were going and expecting the body of Jesus there and for them being able to prepare his body for burial. Instead, first of all, they found, hey, the stone is rolled away. Secondly, as they looked in, they saw nobody. There, there's there's no, no one in there. It was empty. And so they were puzzled. They were baffled. They were stumped. They were dumbfounded. They, they just didn't get what was going on. I have no doubt that through their mind, you know, certain thoughts were going, and they were thinking, is this not, is this not, you know? It's kind of like looking, looking back, like, okay, so we were over there, you know, is this not where Joseph laid Jesus? Were we not here? Is this not the place? Why is the stone rolled away? They knew that the stone was rolled to cover the entrance. Who rolled the stone away? Where is Jesus? They were definitely thrown off and they were concerned. In fact, we know that the religious leaders of the time uh, they had gone to Pilate and they were concerned, oh, you know, hey, listen, some of his disciples may come and, and steal the body, and so we want to make sure that doesn't happen. And so for that reason, he said, you know what? Go ahead and set some guards and we'll seal it. We'll seal it so that no one can break that seal. Um, if, if anything happens, then that's punishable by death. And we know that to be certain. So they did that. Not only was, it, was there a stone rolled in front of it, but it was sealed. 
and there was a guard that was placed before it, there was no way that it was just going to be stolen by the disciples. But they were thrown off, these, these women, they were, they were puzzled. This is what I was telling you at the very beginning, that some people approach Easter in this way. Like, it, it's funny in a not-so-funny way. It's like, it's, it's funner and more believable to believe in an Easter bunny that uh, lays some eggs and, you know, let's do that and, and go find some eggs and have fun with the family than it is to simply celebrate the risen Lord. But many people not, don't fully understand. They're baffled, puzzled, stumped, but not yet fully believing that Jesus had indeed risen from the grave like these women. But the fact of the matter is, He's not there. Just because they're baffled, just because they're puzzled, doesn't mean that this didn't happen. It's inexplicable. I can't explain it. Does that mean that you're right and God is wrong? Think about that. No. There are many things I cannot explain. And that doesn't mean that they're not true. That's just logic, right? Many people are just going along with everyone else, speaking the reason for the day, but really not personally believing that Jesus has risen from the grave, alive, eternal, and truly is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. Right now. I ask you, are you in that place? Are you somewhat baffled by the whole resurrection thing? Please know this, and I thank God for this, that he meets us right where we are. Because you're not alone. You're not alone. Mary experienced this feeling, and so did the other women, and so did the disciples of Jesus Christ himself. They went, they, they went home marveling at what had just happened, but they were still unbelieving. That's unbelievable, right? We think about that. We're like, you saw the miracles. You saw Jesus, who he is, what he taught, how he spoke, all of those things, and yet you yourself are unbelieving and you're marveling at what had just happened. That's unbelievable, right? But hindsight is twenty twenty. If you're perplexed, you're not alone. But this feeling has been worked out. And evidence was provided to them, just as it is today, that Jesus had indeed risen from the grave, and he's alive and well. Secondly, we need to consider the word remember. Remember prophecy and realize its fulfillment. Luke chapter 24, verse 5. As we continue, it says, And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day, rise. Just remember, just consider, what did he tell you? 
Now, you and I would both be frightened if two men in dazzling apparel, angelic beings, were to just appear and start speaking to us. Wouldn't you? They fell on their faces. They were frightened. I I would be frightened too. That would be absolutely amazing. But they came with a message. The two men stood by them, and the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? That was the question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember that. For the angels, they were wondering themselves why they were looking in the tomb, and why did they bring spices and anointing for burial? What are you looking in the tomb for? You're not going to find anything. Why are you bringing spices and ointment to prepare a body for burial? There's none here to prepare. What would be more appropriate is if they had come in this way. Can you imagine coming to the, to the, to the tomb? Why? Because you believe God at his word and simply come into the garden. He hadn't appeared to anyone. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, where are you? We know that you are going to rise on the third day. Jesus, where are you? We know you're alive. We've come to meet with you. That would be more appropriate, wouldn't it? For a person that is believing, that has that faith according to God's word. So the angel simply said, remember. Remember what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 40 says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah was was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. After Peter had confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, he was the Christ, this is what was said. Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 23. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Again, in Matthew chapter 17, verses 22 and 23, says, And as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed. And again, for the third time, Jesus making it abundantly clear to his disciples that this was indeed what was going to happen. He was going to be crucified, but he was going to rise from the grave. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 19, 
says, and as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, now he was telling them that he, he's, he's going to go to Jerusalem. He told them in Galilee, right? Now they're going up to Jerusalem. He took the 12 disciples aside, and on the way, he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. It's like everything I've told you, please realize it's happening right now. Right now. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And he will be raised on the third day. Even after Jesus was crucified and he resurrected from the grave, and he appeared to his disciples. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I pray that your minds are opened up to understand the scriptures, to understand what you're hearing this morning. If you've never come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is promised to no one. The day in which we are to prepare for all eternity is this moment. We are to not think arrogantly, presumptuously, that even the next moment is promised to us. It's not. We don't know. But I can guarantee you that it's this moment right now that you have been given as a gift the gospel of Jesus Christ that you can respond to and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And know forgiveness. And know for sure that you, at the moment you breathe your last here, you will breathe your first with the Lord. And you will do so for eternity, being with him. Had the disciples taken Jesus' word as certainty. They would have known beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus would not be in the tomb, but risen, alive, and well. At this point, the angels simply told them to remember what Jesus had said. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, rise. And it did happen. And he did rise from the dead. And this was at the point to where we know the women, they, they realized its fulfillment. They ran back. They were telling the disciples. At first, they didn't believe. Oh, did they believe later? They certainly did. And here's what I love about God, is that he pursues us. And he meets us right where we are. His love is relentless. His love is absolutely amazing. It's inexhaustible. 
You can never reach the depths of depravity to the point to where you completely block him out. You are unable to do that. There's no place that he cannot find you. But when he finds you, what we are to do is respond to that. As he invites us to have a relationship with him with complete surrender. I I think about Jonah. Jonah literally went to the depths of the ocean in the belly of a great fish. And the Lord was there with him. When David had committed sin, adultery with Bathsheba, the Lord met him there. Through the prophet, it was made known to David that he had sinned against the Lord. The Lord met him there. There's no place we cannot go that God will not be there waiting for us to turn around. There's no sin too great that we cannot repent of asking God for forgiveness and he will forgive us. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And his word is certain, right? That's what we're learning this morning. That it is as God says it is. That's it, period. The people should have been rejoicing, coming to the garden, just where are you, Lord? I know you're not in there. We live a whole different life if we truly believe the word of God. Completely, it'll consume us to the point to where it's like, no, you know what? No one can seal our joy. It doesn't matter what circumstances we find ourselves in when we know that he's our God and he's our Lord and he's our Savior. That the worst thing that could happen here is we could die and go home to be with the Lord then life takes on a whole new meaning. Truly, we can say, as the Apostle Paul said, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Today is a victorious day. Realize the fulfillment of God's word in Jesus Christ. Thirdly, tell the world that Jesus is written. Verse 8 in Luke chapter 24 says, and they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Uh, these, these women, when they did go, and they were told by the angel, remember what Jesus said. Remember what he said in Galilee. They did remember Jesus' words. And they did go and tell the disciples all that they had seen and heard. But the disciples we know, initially, they did not believe them. It seemed to them as if the women had made up some kind of a lazy reason as to why it was that Jesus was not there. That Almost like as if they didn't pursue it any further. They didn't look into it. They just took whatever was told to them and here they come back and they say this. It was an idle tale. But Peter and John, they raced to the tomb. Uh, So John's perspective was 
a bit different. We see John the Beloved, right? And in the Gospel of John, as we read that, in John chapter 20, the two were racing toward the tomb. It was John and Peter. Now, I have to tell you, because we have to, I I love the personality of each and every person that is described in, in all the disciples. You couldn't have turned the, the world upside down with a more colorful bunch of guys, right? But John and Peter, Peter was, um, he had a foot-shaped mouth. And John, and John, you know, he was describing this whole race to the tomb. As they were, he said, uh, the, the um, one that Jesus loved, the beloved one of Christ, yeah, he, he got to the tomb first. In other words, he's saying, I'm, fa- I'm faster than Peter. I got there first. Now, Peter, though, he was very forward, right? So as soon as he got there, boom, he went straight into the tomb. Uh, G- John just stood outside and he kind of looked in, but he didn't go in. Peter, oh, man, he's just, you know, remember you know, it's like he's just bold. He says whatever and he goes. He goes for it, right? I think we can re- relate with, with both of those in some way. But Peter went in. John stood outside and when he saw, he, he believed. But I'm thinking, wonder what, like at that moment, what was going through their mind, right? He, he, is risen. He is risen. He is risen? He's, he's risen. He's, he's risen. Jesus is risen. You know, it's like, wow. Like just marveling. Just marveling at it. This wasn't kept a secret. There was no hush about this. The angel had told the women that he wasn't there and then told him, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth. Very specific. It wasn't just any Jesus. It was Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. It's covered in Mark chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. The angels themselves... They held an open house, knowing that they were all going to the tomb. God knows, and he posted them there. They were sent there to roll the stone away. The stone was not rolled away in order to allow Jesus to come out of the tomb. It was rolled away so that everyone could look in there and see that he was not in there. He was already out. The angels did not remain there to guard the tomb but to serve as messengers of God, to communicate that Jesus was not there, and to tell them to go. Go and tell the disciples, tell everyone else that it happened just as Jesus said it would happen. I love this. Jesus went to great lengths to make sure his disciples knew that he had been raised from the dead. He he goes to great lengths to help us realize that very truth. This right here, today, is of utmost importance. The Apostle Paul proclaimed that. This was 
This was his one message that he desired for all to come to know personally. This one message today, this morning, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he did indeed rise from the grave to life. And he's alive today. After John and Peter had left the tomb, Mary Magdalene stuck around weeping outside the tomb. They would even kind of peer into the tomb and, and weep. Not only did the angel speak to her asking why she was there, but Jesus appeared to her and asked her why she was weeping and who she was seeking. You know, when, when, you, when you cry, when you have heavy tears and you are in anguish and, and mourning, it's like you, you, you can barely see. I imagine to this be the case with, with Mary and with the others who were there. They were crying so hard that even at that point, Jesus having appeared, Jesus is asking these questions. Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Didn't recognize him. She thought that he was a, the gardener. She even asked him, hey, if you were the one that took Jesus' body, tell me where you have taken him. And he said, Mary. When he spoke her name, that's when she knew. That's when she knew, Rabboni. It, it's, it's you. It, it's you, right? That's what I pray for each and every one of us. That when the Lord speaks to us, we recognize it's his voice calling on us. And we respond, Lord, Lord, there's no sweeter word that he can hear other than not, yes, I understand your Jesus. I know, no, Lord, you are, you are my Lord. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. There were those um, two disciples that were walking on the road to Emmaus that Jesus appeared to. And, and they, they had long faces. They were sad. J Jesus came after the resurrection. He came beside them and he asked them, and I'm paraphrasing. He asked them, why the long faces? You know, why? What's, what's going on? What's, are you the only one that hasn't heard? You know, it's like everyone knows, but you? How do you not know, Right? What Jesus did was take them through Scripture to point to him. Finally, he opened up their eyes to see who it was. Oh, <laughs> shocked is an understatement, right? They ran, and they, they, they were telling the disciples. So Jesus met them there, not understanding what had taken place, and he met them there. I love that. I love that about the Lord. He meets you right where you are. Oh, you knucklehead. You don't get it. It's okay. Jesus will meet you right where you are. He'll bring you through. Let's walk this out. Because I want you to understand who I am and who I desire to be in your life. Because after Jesus had appeared to these two disciples, 
on the road to Emmaus, and the two disciples were telling the other disciples, and by the way, they were all in fear for the Jews. Why? Because Jesus wasn't around. He wasn't in the tomb. Where was he? They feared the Jews, and they were behind closed and locked doors. And guess who appears to them? Jesus. And he said, peace be with you. And he showed him showed them his hands and his side. It's, it's me. Then there was, Jesus meets us right where we are. You know a guy by the name of Thomas? Doubting Thomas? Well, he wasn't around with the other disciples. Eight days later, they're all together. After he had said that he would not believe unless he saw Jesus' nail-pierced hands and and his, the hole in his side, and he could stick his finger in those holes in, in his side. Unless he did that, he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't believe. Well, guess who appeared to him and spoke to him personally? Jesus said, put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's you and I today. Again, have you been baffled, puzzled, confused about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Just know that many other people have been in that very place. And Jesus has demonstrated that he is real to them. And we have come to know that Jesus has indeed risen from the grave. We have come to know personally, with complete certainty, that Jesus is the Son of God. And it happened just as he said it would. Don't be confused. Don't be puzzled. Don't be baffled. Because it happened just as Jesus said it would. Remember God's word and realize its fulfillment. And then I pray that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance. Remember I told you that the Apostle Paul, this was, this was the most important thing that people could come to believe. It was, and he said this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The question for you this morning is, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because if, if you do believe that, this day truly is a joyful day. It's a day of celebration. It's a day that we can lift our voices and our very souls to the Lord in complete gratitude and celebration for not only the death, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For in his death on the cross, there was victory over sin. His resurrection from the grave, victory over the grave. We are alive with him forevermore. Jesus came to die for our sins. He was sent by the Father this was his demonstration of love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came to die for our sins, but to be raised on the third day is our victor, victor over sin and death. 
And in Him we can be assured that our sins are forgiven and salvation is secured. Would you desire that? Because Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 13. And I I do not ever, I don't ever want to cheapen salvation or or the grace of God. This is not something to take lightly. It's like, okay, yeah, I've, I've, heard, I've heard of altar calls. I've heard of, uh, of responses and things like that. And to tell you that if you simply do this, then you will know salvation. No, really, a genuine heart that cries out to God, to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, like, cries out to him, completely broken, and asking God for forgiveness, is the one who will know salvation. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And verse 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's, it's not a maybe. It's not possibly. It's Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Lord tells us in his word that he wishes that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That means that every single person, his desire would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's his desire. But unfortunately, many people reject him. This morning, if you're here, you don't know Jesus Christ is your opportunity. Confess your sins to him in him alone. Ask him for forgiveness and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. That's what he desires above all things is for you to be reconciled unto him. In John chapter 11, verses 25 through 27, Jesus speaking to Martha. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This was the, uh, the occasion in which Lazarus was, had died and Jesus was going to raise him from the dead. Uh, Mary was upset. Martha was upset, but they engaged in conversation because they truly believed as, if Jesus would have been there, if you would have only been here, he wouldn't have died. You could have healed him from his sickness. But Jesus, to show that He has the power to even raise people from the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead. But he had this conversation. This is important for us to understand, for us to to realize. Jesus said to her, as he says to us today, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Do you believe that? I pray that you do. In a few moments, as the worship team comes up, we're going to play a a song, but I, I would ask that you would respond to the invitation. This morning, I am giving an invitation. I am going to ask you, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation, you simply respond. 
Yes, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died for my sins, that he was buried, and that on the third day he rose from the grave. I do believe, and I do cry out to him, and I ask him for forgiveness, and I ask him to be my Lord and Savior. If, if that's you, in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as we all pray. I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to be very open and clear with you. I'm going to ask you to come forward, and I'm just going to simply pray for you. That's all. It's, it's unbelievable. It's crazy how it is that I remember the struggle that I had. And let me tell you where it was at. It was at a non-denominational church service in, in a small town. You, you may know it. You may not know this town. It's called Las Vegas. It was in Las Vegas as someone reached out and invited me to this church service. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was who he said he was. And in him I could know salvation. In him I could know forgiveness of my sins. And I was so lost. when I realized that he died for my sins. See, I, I had been f- trying to find fulfillment in so many other things. Uh, partying the bottle, um, in my job, what I did, fulfillment in traveling the world. All of those things, I was trying to find it in, in different things and I, I just I kept coming up empty. But when Jesus was revealed to me for who he truly is, I knew that this was the answer. Only no one had given me an invitation. It's like, well, how how do I, what's what's the next step? You know, what do I do? My friend Mike, all he did was, he, he gave me his Bible, his Desert Storm Bible, and he said, read John. I read John, and I had a bunch of questions, and then I went to this, this service, and I, and I knew when, when the pastor was saying what I'm saying, I'm going to give an invitation. And for those of you who want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you know, you're, you're, you're going to come forward. Come forward. Don't delay. Oh, man, you know, that was it. My, my, the palms of my hands were sweaty. I was nervous. And at the same time, I didn't know what I was going to do. Why? Because I, knew, I, knew, I know now it was a struggle for my soul. Satan does not want you to come up. He wants you to stay put right where you are and tell you that tomorrow comes. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Just leave it off for tomorrow. I can tell you that when we started praying and when the pastor said, come, I couldn't wait. I got up out of my seat. I didn't care who was watching. I didn't care who was there. I came because I was doing business with God. I came because I knew this, this is real. This is it right here. I could be abandoned at an early age by others. But my Father in heaven will never abandon me. He never has and he, he never will. He assures me of eternity with him through his son, Jesus Christ. I knew that. And I can tell you up to this point, years later, that was... The end of June, June 26, 
1992. I can tell you he's never let me down. He's never abandoned me. He's never forsaken me. He's never broken his promises. He's faithful. I want to tell you that I came forward and I, I cried out to the Lord. I asked him for forgiveness and to be my Lord and Savior. And I have let him down, but he has never let me down. And I look forward to see him in, seeing him in all of his glory. I am so looking forward to my homecoming. To when I go and I'm in all of his glory for all eternity. There, no more pain, no more anguish, no more nothing. You know, it's just joy forevermore. Worship team, come up. I'm, so I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask if any of you, number one, you would like to this morning receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, stand to your feet and come forward. For anyone who is backslidden, you've turned your back on the Lord, he's waiting for you to receive you, to forgive you of your sins to, and to for your relationship to be right with him and to be welcomed like that prodigal son that was welcomed by the father. He doesn't leave you out. He's just waiting for you to turn back to him. I, I tell you, you to stand to your feet and come forward. We'd love to pray with you. So I'm going to pray. They're going to play this song and this is your time to come up and come forward and proclaim that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your indescribable gift in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that we are saved by grace through faith in him. I want to pray for those who are here that perhaps do not know you as Lord and Savior. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men which, by which we must be saved. If we simply cry out to you and ask for forgiveness, you are ready and willing and so desire to forgive us of our sins and to restore our relationship with the Father through the sacrifice of the Son. I pray, Lord, for anyone here who is in that place that today be the day of salvation that they would rise to their feet and publicly proclaim you as Lord and Savior. I pray for all those also who have perhaps turned their back on you and are not living lives that bring you glory. I pray that today would be a day of repentance, a day of reconciling unto you and laying before you those things that, Lord, that are, are sinful, Lord, those things that bring shame instead of glory. And Lord, I know, I know that you are waiting and willing to forgive. I pray that they too would respond this morning and stand to their feet and come forward. So with our heads bowed, our eyes closed,